The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. The apostles said to the Lord, Increase our faith. The Lord replied, If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you would say to this mulberry tree, Be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Who among you would say to your servant, who has just come in from plowing or tending sheep in the field, come here immediately and take your place at table? Would he not rather say to him, prepare something for me to eat, put on your apron and wait on me while I eat and drink? You may eat and drink when I am finished. Is he grateful to that servant because he did what was commanded? So should it be with you. When you have done all you have been commanded, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done what we are obliged to do. The Gospel of the Lord. Growing up, I remember at the end of the school year is my favorite time, not just because school was ending, but because on the last day of school, when every time I'd come home, there'd be a gift waiting for me. I thought, man, I can't wait to see what my gift is this year. I'm so pumped. I just finished first grade. Like, all right, let's go. And it was, I don't know what it was. I remember one year, though, it was a really big deal. I got a basketball rim. I was super excited. I had no backboard, but I had the rim. So, making progress. And then, all of a sudden, one year, I come home, and there's nothing. And I think, this is strange. Does, do they forget what day it is? Do they, do they forget it's the last day of school? Like, where's my reward? Like, where's my gift? Where's my, my thing? And in society, in the world, as humans, we can kind of be programmed to expect rewards for doing very basic things. In reality, my parents had no need to ever give me a reward for completing school like that. That's something I should have been doing. That was expected of me. As we heard in the gospel, I'm obliged to do this. And so it's interesting to contemplate this idea of when it comes to work, family, faith, do I expect rewards for things that actually are supposed to be the ordinary events that I participate in? And if I don't receive what I presume to be an award, why am I so aggravated by this? Now, Let's take that story and put a quick pin in it because we're going to need to get back to it. But we look at the theme of the readings today. And overarchingly, the theme of the readings is, is faith. So in that first one, Habakkuk, right, which we hardly ever hear from this guy. He's one of the 12 prophets in the Old Testament. And most of the prophets talk about, you know, very different, um, have very different topics. But, but Habakkuk, he talks about this importance of faith. Um, in particular, like faith being lived out um, through our actions. And so, in that reading, the first line actually talks about like there's this uh, question posed to God. So there, there's always a, the, uh, the prophet speaking to the Lord in, in, that, in that book. And he speaks to him in, like, in a sense of frustration, like, Lord, like, why are you making us suffer? Why, are you, why is all this junk going on? And the Lord responds, like, well, here's, here's why. He gives an answer. But the purpose of that whole section is to actually resolve the doubt about God's justice. And we think that 
you know, God's justice is if I do good things and I act in a good way, that I should get good rewards. And so there's another question that often comes up, not necessarily from this reading, but in life in general, which is, why do bad people get good things? Or something along those lines. It resolves this doubt about God's justice by urging people to live by faith and to live by God's promises. Again, that's the difficult part because if God is all good and all powerful, then why do wicked people prosper? That doesn't seem to add up. Like, your justice doesn't make any sense here, God. Well, there's an answer to this question. Why, why if God is all powerful and all good, do wicked people prosper? The answer is, God will, in the end, deliver justice to all. And so whether we think we deserve it in that moment or later on, like, God's justice will be given. That's part of his promises. But in the meantime, while we're waiting for that justice, while we're getting aggravated and frustrated and thinking this is not fair, it's necessary for the righteous, those who are living the right way, to exercise trust and faith in the goodness and the promises of God. So the last line of that reading is really cool. It says, the righteous shall live by his faith. The righteous shall live by his faith. So our living is actually by the very faith God gives us. And it's kind of complicated to think about. So the, the layman understanding of this is stay the path, don't be discouraged by a lack of reward. Because if I had been discouraged by the lack of reward, I would have just quit school in seventh grade. Right? And that wouldn't make any sense. I didn't get a reward in sixth grade. I'm at, I guess I'm not going back to school. That, no, you stay the path regardless of the reward. And so for our faithfulness, we stay the path. We stay faithful to God, regardless if our lives are blossoming and sunshines and rainbows, or if they're like really despairing and difficult. We stay the path because, because God's faithfulness um, will be guaranteed and promised. So you take that into the second reading, and it talks about, uh, with that reading from Timothy, God will provide a means for us to overcome the obstacles we face. Okay, so if I'm called to stay the path, then God's going to give me whatever I need to overcome the obstacles. I may not perceive it that way in the moment, but yes, they will come. And so in that reading, it talks about we will share in the hardship of the gospel. We will share in the suffering of the gospel, as that translation says. Because the gospel, again, is not about rewards all the time and, you know, just get everything promised, like, you get everything, it's all going to be good and happy and dandy. Like, Jesus Christ, Son of God, was crucified, died on the cross. So if Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is killed, then yeah, we're probably going to experience some hardships of the gospel. However, we rely on the strength that comes from God to persevere through it. So just as Jesus perseveres through his passion, we are called to persevere as well. Now, this gets to the gospel. Again, the theme is faith. How do we have faith? In the first line, the apostles make this request to God. Do you remember what he said? Anybody? 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 You, didn't, you don't remember. It's okay. It's okay. He says, the apostles say, increase our faith. Like, that's, that's their request. That's their ask. Like, Lord, increase our faith. And he gives them this, uh, this, this explanation, this parable of the mustard seed. And we also hear that parable in Matthew's gospel. I want to take a quick survey 
I'm curious about this. I, I was reading it in my commentary, and they posed this question. I thought, I'm going to ask the people. When we hear this parable, it talks about uh, faith the size of a mustard seed. If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you could command this mulberry tree to, to be uprooted and planted in the ocean. In hearing this parable, this, this story, do, are any of you discouraged, like, oh, man, if only my faith was at least the size of a mustard seed, I could probably do great things, but it's not even that size, so I'm so discouraged. My, my faith is so microscopic. Did any of you hear it and think that way? I'm just curious. On the flip side, does anyone hear that and think, if I have, like, my faith is actually called to be not like some extravagant, magnificent thing. Like, I can have a little bit of faith and, and do big stuff. Does anyone think of it like that? The commentary tried to bring up this point, and apparently I failed in my question. But try to bring up this point about how people can interpret that and be like, oh, they're so discouraged. Oh, man, my faith must not be that strong. It must not be that great. Because, I mean, if, if it's not even the size of a mustard seed, if you see how big a mustard seed is, it's tiny. It's itty-bitty. I can't even do that. So my faith must be non-existent. That's actually the opposite of what God intends in this gospel. God's intention in this gospel is to be encouraging. So we want to think of those words as a consolation. You don't need much faith to be effective. Just give me a little bit, and I can do great things for you. You know, think about it. He took five loaves, two fish, and fed thousands of people. I can take a mustard seed side of faith, mustard seed size of faith and transplant a tree to the ocean. Like if we think about it in that regard, like just give me a little bit, give me, give me a smidge of faith, and I can do this thing that, saying, that seems crazy, right? We get so hung up about a mulberry tree and a mustard seed, and why is he putting a tree in the ocean? It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't have to make sense. It's just do we have a faith to believe he can do the extraordinary? And it's something I talked about two weeks ago for the, the last part of what right looks like. It's talking about doing what's right. Like, so we have faith, or we have uh, freedom, hope, and joy. And I talked about uh, the sacraments, and specifically baptism as one. And in the catechism, it says this again about baptism. The faith required for baptism is not a perfect and mature faith but a beginning that is called to develop. So I hear this reading, and I'm actually thinking, my faith, it is not perfect. It is not fully formed. And yet, God can take the most minimal amount of what I have and do something crazy big with it. I'm not discouraged at all. I'm actually hopeful, like, man, if I, I, I do kind of make sometimes think, like, if man, if I was, like, more intentional, like, he could do even bigger stuff. But... My faith isn't going to be perfect right now. My, my hope isn't even going to be perfect right now. And, and that's okay. That's what Jesus tells Like It's okay, but you have to have something. You have to, to put something forward. Because again, those other readings, they go back to the idea of like, why is there this perceived injustice? Why, why is there this difficulty? He says, in the end, it's all going to work out. It's going to be okay. So living it by faith, it's shown in the Old and the New Covenants that this is a, a, a lifetime journey. This is a lifetime uh, <laughs> requirement for us. Even if our faith is pitiful, 
right? Oh man, I'm just, I'm so not sure about God right now. Even then, God can do marvelous things with very, very little. I mean, how, how is that not hopeful? The other theme that comes out of this gospel today is a theme that most people are like, eh, I don't know how I feel about that, but it's the theme of obedience. Some people t- hear that word and they get really tense. Some people hear that word and they, they get really aggravated. I hear that word and I think, yes, obedience is good. I like obedience. Also, I promise obedience to bishop. Like, that's something I give my life over to. He asked them, like, which of you, after having a long day's of work and coming home to your servant, would, would say, like, here, come and eat, eat, eat food with me? Or would you expect the servant to do their job? Would you expect, expect the butler and the maid to do their job if you had one? Like, hey, like, get food ready. And if they did it, you're not going to be like, wow, you're the best person in the world. Thank you so much. Like, our politeness will probably do that. But, but it's expected, isn't it? When we go to a restaurant— that waiter, that waitress who's serving us, that's the expectation. Now, out of our humanity, we offer a kindness to them, which is just. But it's not like, hey, you know, come and sit down. Have a, have a, take a break. You know, it's okay. Like, no, we don't do that because it's, it's, it's expected that they have this task. All that comes back to what's our task as Christians? Like, should everyone get... Uh, a sticker and uh, a slap on the back and a good old boy if you come to Mass every Sunday? No. It's expected. It's obliged. It's, it's the duty of us. And yet some people are like, man, if I don't get congratulated, if I don't get affirmed, like, I'm not going back there. They just don't like me. It's like, we've totally misconstrued obligation. We've misconstrued duty. We've misconstrued goodness in that. Now, the example of growing up and getting the reward, you want to use positive reinforcement to teach something. That's, that makes sense. But at a certain point, you just do it because it's what's right. So there's a few questions, the four questions actually, for us to consider today. The first question is, do I hear what God asks of me? The second is, do I respond to what God asks of me? Third question, what is expected from us by God? What's expected from me by God? What does God expect from me? Doing the ordinary thing should just be that, ordinary. And then this is the last question. So after like, do I hear what God is saying? Do I respond to it? Do I understand like what's expected of me? The last is, do I crave more? Do I crave more? Do I want more from this faith? Or am I, am I playing the bare minimum right now? Do I want more from my life in this world with, that coexists with God? Or am I trying to just get by? Do I want more with what's expected of me? Do I seek greatness? Or am I happy with being mediocre? Because here's the final thing. You know, this Sunday's gospel is calling us not to pat ourselves on the back or for every time we turn away from a temptation or do an act of mercy. That should be the norm. The norm should be to avoid sin, to, to do corporal and, and spiritual works of mercy. Holiness, right, this, this final call that we all have been given, that should be ordinary. Holiness is not an extraordinary thing that's reserved only for saints, because here's the secret, my friends. 
all of you are saints in training. I told this to the, the school kids on Thursday. They're all called now sits. That is the ordinary. That is what's expected. This is not a, a crazy extraordinary thing that's only reserved for the few. This is a call for all of us. So out of faith, which doesn't have to be perfect, doesn't have to be fully formed, it can be even the size of most of you, like even that, God can do big, big things. Out of this faith that I have that I'm growing, am I responding to him? Do I hear him? Do I know what's expected of me? And do I want more? And hopefully the answer to all those is yes. I do want more. Yes, I do hear him. Yes, I am responding. Yes, I know what's expected of me. Because I and you, all of us, are called to be saints.